Welcome to The Double Shot, a podcast about design, work, business, life. <laughs> uh, I am uh, your host, Ray, and I'm here with your co-host, Candice. Hi, Candice. Hi, Ray. How are you doing today? Great. How are you? I'm awesome sauce. Yeah. I'm, I'm like 90% great, 10% Having trouble walking. Right. So, uh, yeah, you are uh, working uh, uh, up to hood, hood to Coast, right? Right. Which is like a, a very long... 199-mile 109, trek. 199-mile run from <laughs> Mount Hood to the Oregon coast. Right. It's eight months away. Yeah, but still. So yesterday I ran for basically the first time of my life. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's probably the hardest one. I hope so. Like the, fir- the first run is the <laughs> hardest. Yes. The, the journey of a run thousand is runs. The yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyways, yes. Doing great. Um, so, what I was hoping we could talk about today was um, I, I was thinking of considering it the user experience for site owners. But I feel like maybe I should give the audience a little background to understand why I would want to even talk about such a thing. Sure. Um, over the last five, six, seven years, I don't even know how long now, we've been working almost exclusively. When we do websites, we build them in WordPress whenever possible. We're very comfortable with it. It's our thing. And... Uh, and it works great. It's a huge ecosystem. So even just among the way you would build a WordPress site, there's a lot of different ways it could work. Like if you tell, ask someone, are you comfortable using WordPress? To me, that doesn't say much because you could be comfortable just writing a blog post. But we're building sites that often are a lot more sophisticated than something like that, just like a blog for a writer. Uh, so I wanted to talk about how I have been approaching those kind of site build-outs lately mm-hmm. and the, the different natures of them. So, uh, full disclaimer, uh, this might get a little nerdy, but, you know, buckle up. So, in the past, we've used um, things that you would typically call in the world of WordPress content builders, it makes it kind of work like a Squarespace or something where the person who's uh, who's updating the website can affect almost anything about the design, right? Mm-hmm. So you might say, I want a giant full-width block with an image in the background and text here. Sure. Then you might say, I want a blo- three blocks of content across with photos. I want a gallery here. I want a big pull quote here. Um, the, when you do that, you are kind of, it's pretty egalitarian, meaning that if I use that tool to build a site and then I hand it off to my client, they can pretty much do whatever I was able to do. And that sounds, uh, great, um, sort of in the way that you might argue, uh, pure communism sounds great. I salad mean, bars. Yeah, salad <laughs> bars. <laughs> uh, you know, buying your food by weight. Uh, I don't know, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Where the, the problem is, um, 
I am a you know professional designer, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and uh, the reason that my client has hired me, among other reasons, is because they are not, right? Right. Nor do they necessarily aspire to be. Right. <laughs> to they're be, they're pretty right. they're they're pretty damn busy. They're running a business. They're doing their thing. Probably requires a lot of focused attention and doesn't leave a lot of time for nerding out about design like I do. That's my job. Mm-hmm. And so when I hand over, we found that when we hand over those kinds of sites to clients, it's really difficult for them. And inevitably, most of them ended up just coming to us every time they need the site updated because it's so stressful and it's so easy to break it. Well, yeah. I mean, when all possibilities are out there, right? that kind of throws the style guide out the window or the yeah it's it always seemed like such a good idea because from the time you and I started working together on websites we talked about how we could put as much control into the hands of our clients Mm -hmm. as possible Mm -hmm. I remember a decade ago when we were making flash websites we made a rudimentary CMS so that people could update their text and images Mm -hmm. and I remember telling people people telling us that we were cutting off our source of revenue, right? Yeah. It's like, but you get paid to make updates. Why would you cut that off? And we always talked about the fact that we were making websites to hand over to our clients and for them to be able to use them without coming back to us if they wanted, without having to pay for updates. Mm -hmm. And so I think at first when we started seeing these systems that you're talking about, it felt very much like it would fall within that ethos. Mm -hmm. But something that was different from those to like the Flash ones that we were making Mm -hmm. was when we were making Flash websites, we were very specifically saying, here's a gallery and you can upload these images and then it will show in this certain way in the gallery. It wasn't like we were letting people just design full pages. We were designing something deciding what could be updated and then making it really easy to then update that. It wasn't a sky's the limit. In a way, we were still fitting within a box. That's a great point, Candace. And that I think that strikes at the heart of what I think that we've found to be the best path forward there. You know, with, when you talk about making Flash websites, you can't just... One approach that, that was tried early on was to just basically uh, give the client flash and teach them to use it. And that was a non-starter, you know, even for someone who (laughs) was interested in art or animation, it's, uh, those things are pretty daunting. Yeah. But I mean, I tried to learn flash (laughs) and I found it pretty daunting and, uh, yeah. Me too, frankly. So what, when, so we started doing that with WordPress sites, right? Mm-hmm. We started saying, here's a content builder interface. You can just do whatever you want with it. We've sort of made a starting point, but then you can't. You have complete freedom to do whatever you want with these pages. And that didn't really work out. Well, it works out about as well as choosing a template and yeah. adding to it. In mm-hmm. some ways, in my mind, there are... There are folks that would benefit from that, right? Right. But those, that particular group doesn't necessarily need to hire us. Right. So I think something that I've been really thinking about is who doesn't benefit from that? Who is it that would want us to come in 
and right. create something different. What's different about it and what value do we bring? Right. Yeah, I mean, if you're, I mean, just to pull an example out of the air, if you're just like starting a restaurant, maybe you, you don't, you're, you're have a really tight budget. You just want to put up your, your menu. Um, obviously we can work on a, a website for you and have, but you could also probably just build that yourself just as easily as you could design the actual menu that you're printing out and putting in your restaurant. Mm -hmm. But when you start to work with clients with more specific needs and larger businesses, that doesn't scale. It's hard to make a website with a hundred pages with all sorts of different types of content and messaging and interactions that isn't just basically you don't want it to become someone's full-time job just going through and every time they have to change a few words update all the pages of the website and all this stuff mm -hmm. so a, a while ago years ago we discovered something called advanced custom fields which is just a wordpress plugin that lets you as a designer kind of make places where content could go and have it appear on the website and you can you can do this to extend a, a basic website in a sort of a structured way. And so we started dabbling in that, but we found that our approach was wrong. It was kind of the opposite of one of those one-size-fits-all page builders. We would say um, there's like 20 different pieces of text on the home page, so let's just put 20 different text fields in the, the back end and let people fill those out and change them as they want. And that got really confusing, too. Right. Because... Part of what you're doing is you're kind of making things that are structured, like you might want a certain, you might want a slider to appear on, on a page of your site, but you want it to have certain fields. As a designer, you might have very specifically laid that out, how that should look, or this particular three-up block of content, or this big hero feature on the homepage that might have optional video in the background, but you need to specify how big the text can be and limit that. And you have all these parameters in your mind as a designer and you need to be able to make it so a client can update that in a, a logical way, a way that makes sense for them. And that's what this lets you do. You can basically make sort of forms that people fill out on the back end where you can say, okay, drop your image here. Uh, here's the kind of roughly the size it should be, but we'll take care of the details. Put your text here, but we're going to limit you to 40 characters. You know, and things like that, where you can, you then can do things when you where you know there's sort of parameters that you can enforce in what a client can do well i th i think about it sort of like blog posts right like we all know you can say something's a blog and you post individual blog posts and then you go to a website and you can show all the posts on a page and then you can click and see individual posts and now we can build things that are like uh client or a website we just did for sake one right mm -hmm we created something that was like brands mm -hmm. and they're able to fill out the brand, the, the label image, the description, a whole bunch of information about that brand. Right. Mm -hmm. And then you get to show it in all of these interesting ways, like showing it on a list of the brands you click, you see the page about it. They can add any number. It shows up in a bunch of different ways. 
it's it's really extending that kind of capability, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's saying we're going to make a new thing. You know, for coffee roasters, oftentimes we make a post type that's coffee, and we let them fill out all the different things about that particular coffee or you know that particular origin, and then you get to display it in all these really interesting ways. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the power of it. And then if all that gets filled out and later you're all redesigning the site, say, like, this is all going to look totally different. But all that information is still there. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like a client has to go and re-enter everything. It's like, hey, we can just start showing this right. in all the different ways. Kind of like blog posts. If you redesign your blog, it should still right. work. Yeah. But the old way of making websites, like, you do a redesign and bam, all that kind of goes away oftentimes, especially mm-hmm. if it's in a content builder. Mm-hmm. Because instead of oh, being yeah. kind of yeah. put together like what kind of information it is, it's all put together like what does it look like? This is a slider. This right. is a and so you redesign, bam, gone. It's true. And that to me is the limiting part. If you have a hundred page website and you want to redesign and all of a sudden you have to re enter all of that information, that is insane. Mm-hmm. I I sometimes think of what I do when I'm building a website as teaching a web browser how to design. And I, I guess what I mean by that, I'm really saying, like with that sake one site that you mm-hmm. mentioned as an example, there's, there's a, a chunk of, of content at the top of those brand pages where there's a lot going on there. There's a background image that sits behind everything else and it's layered and it actually has some parallax motion. Then there's a mountainscape in front of that that's actually a vector. So it's sharp at any resolution. Then on top of that, there's a block of text, but it has to fit on top of the mountain and not stick out of the mountain or it would look weird. And then there's also a transparent ping image of one or more bottles that are part of that brand. And this is all completely layered and there's no way that someone could build that with a content builder. Just full stop. You couldn't do that. You'd have to compromise. But we didn't have to compromise. And not only that, but most of those components are optional. Meaning that if our client has a brand that they don't have a ton of stuff about and they don't necessarily have a good background shape or pattern, if they omit that information, it doesn't break. It doesn't look weird. We've accounted for all of that. We've accounted for how all of this works on a phone, on an iPad, on desktop. And to me, it's really thrilling to see that come together. And you just could not have done that without a technology like this, where you can you can sort of teach the content management system the logic of how to render this under all those circumstances, how to layer those things, what to do if pieces are missing, what to do if you're on a really small browser, and it all just works. So setting this type of site up takes yeah. some time. Yes. I mean, it's not weeks and weeks and weeks right. to set up, but it is time. Mm-hmm. And so for me, the the interesting part is really trying to figure out with the web, rapidly changing. You know, there are ways for people to go and make make their own websites if mm-hmm. they want. There are these wonderful ways that we can make really unique, customized websites that are then pretty straightforward and easy to update moving forward. It's like to me, the interesting point is like who who's this valuable for? You know, mm-hmm. 
When is it valuable? When does it ultimately help a brand tell their story? I mean, mm-hmm. that's what we're doing. We're mm-hmm. building sites that allow people to, to really tell unique stories. Right. And oftentimes those stories lead to sales. Right. I mean, many of the sites that we're doing this for were creating these very intricate pieces. But ultimately, if you get to the bottom of that, you're clicking somewhere and you're buying something. Right. I mean... But you can also do that same thing to a product page. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, we, the, the, I think the value this brings is actually exists in a lot of different ways. For instance, I, we build sites this way because we value our clients' time. And if you had to, if you decided you wanted to tweak the way you tell the story about your brand mm-hmm. on that site that we just talked about, someone would have to go in and update 15 pages meticulously to make that change where for us if they decide a mountain range isn't really appropriate we want like a forest canopy or something you know like we want to Mm -hmm. change some aspect of that or reorder the blocks on the page like we only have to change that in one place or maybe they do you know oh those i don't know if you remember building that site but those pages are reorderable those blocks. Well, that's another that's beautiful. Okay, so that's another <laughs> that's another good point in that you mentioned earlier when we were talking about this. Um, we have done sites like this usually that we've designed and mm-hmm. then we build out, and we follow a pretty refined process at this point where we start with you know, site mapping and information architecture and sort of identifying the problems and sort of thinking big picture about how to solve for them. Mm-hmm. And then we sort of move into wireframes and we actually map out the content and figure out what would be the most logical way to bring together what they're trying to convey with how you would present it to a customer on the website and those kinds of things. And then it slowly meets in the middle and at the end... We've really optimized it so there's as few places as possible you have to enter this information. And it's very logical. And we really think about not just the user experience for the customer of the website, but our customer, the person who has to update the website. Well, sure. I mean, I think that's one of the benefits of being a a studio who has designers and programmers sitting next to each other talking. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody's talking about how the website's going to get built. Like if, if a website is designed here, right. then we're not showing designs to a client before a programmer has looked at it and helped put it together and really made sure that, that what we're showing is something that can be realistically built within budget and also that it's not going to be um, difficult to maintain on the web, right? And that's going to work on phones and... Such. And a lot of times we design the content structure, the, the custom fields and so forth, before we actually start des- building or even designing necessarily how the website should look. Yeah, because like the that's visual part design of through happens it. Yeah, afterwards. Right. right. Now, there are occasions where we have ended up not doing the design and right. just kind of building it out using these techniques for whatever reason. And I've learned a lot from that, too. But one of the biggest things that I've learned is why 
we normally do things the way that we do and why it's so much more valuable because not being able to think things through the way that we normally do made that build out, made the overall project a lot more challenging, a lot more. It it just felt like kind of going against the grain. Well, one of the things that we do when we're designing pages now is we really do try to make sure that all content is could be reordered. So if someone right. needs to change the way they're telling a story slightly, mm-hmm. that they can put the slider on top of the two up on top of, you know, and it would all make sense. Mm-hmm. We really do value flexibility within a structured design. And that takes right? a lot of upfront work to make it right. so that you can do that. But if you're, if you're taking a design right. and you're trying to put it into this structure, mm-hmm. what you might find is that there are difficulties with the reordering capability because something from one row might fall into the other one. And if you were to reorder that, then it, you know, that's all out the window. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, it's interesting though. It's always a dance mm-hmm. with custom design. To me, it's always a dance between um, having complete control over the aesthetic and having complete flexibility. Mm-hmm. And I think when we have the ability to do it all in house, mm-hmm. we really do try to meet in the middle. We try to find that sweet spot where we're not compromising on the design, but we're also not putting in limitations that don't need to be there. Mm-hmm. And I think if you take a design and then you start to put in this structure, right. then you're not going to meet in the middle. You're going to, you're actually going to end up somewhere much closer to rigid. Mm-hmm. And some of those design decisions might not actually be worth what you're trading off because when the, that design was happening, you weren't thinking about the trade-offs. You didn't even know what they were. And so that that's the thing. Well, but. Can, if I can give an example, um, the on this recent project that we were talking about where we didn't design mm-hmm. the site from the start, we were able to give a little bit of feedback, but in the end, there was a lot of, like, my goal when I'm building this, when I'm thinking about my customer using this, I think... How can I minimize the number of decisions they have to make when putting in the content? Like, if they want a slider here, they should have it. If they want to be able to do this, they should have it, as long as it makes visual sense. If they decide they need to tell the story in a different way, they should be able to. But the following a design that someone else had made made that very difficult. In fact, we actually had to build two different sliders for kind of seemingly arbitrary reasons. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's confusing. It it, it, it seems repetitive, and it's I, I feel concerned about those things confusing my client because I'm kind of designing for both them and the ultimate customer of the website, and I'm trying to strike a balance between their budget, the time that we have to build the site, how easy it is for them to use, how effective it is for them to tell their story, and how effective the website is at selling their story and product to their their customer, you know? Yeah. And sometimes when when other people are too involved, I don't feel like I can control those parameters in the way that's probably the best fit for that customer. You can't. Right. <laughs> I, well, I'm less able to. Yeah. <laughs> say. 
Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I oftentimes think that our our in-studio process is, you know, unique because of how integrated it is. And so when we work with other people, I actually think that those processes are pretty traditional web. Like what you're talking mm -hmm. about is kind of what you see oftentimes mm -hmm. in web design projects where there's a designer that gets handed off to a developer and, you know, there are some frustrations that happen within that. Yeah. I think it's because you've been... We've all been in the need more ecosystem for so long that it's almost shocking when we do a project that's actually the way a lot of web projects happen. And it's a reminder why years ago we started changing our process and integrating, integrating, integrating. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I think every once in a while it, it's helpful to jump into a bigger project with mm -hmm. a larger group of people and have to learn to work with others, learn to think about things from other designers' perspective. Mm -hmm. Like, and as, as and you said, you learned a lot. Yeah, I was going to say, having yeah. to take those <laughs> designs and put them into something that was flexible. It's, it's and, true. It's true. I had to. I had to uh, think outside probably my usual comfort zone, which yeah. is definitely a good thing. And I bet that you picked up some techniques that you might not have, that you might even bring into the next project that we're designing. Sure. Like, hey, I wouldn't have even tried to do this thing, but I figured out how to do it. And actually, it's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. yeah, do, you know, do you know that game we play sometimes with the kids where, like, one person draws something and then you hand it to another person and you, you have to create something from it? Yeah. Sort of like that. It's really good to push yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Right? Yeah. Well, can't, can't always be our way, everything, yeah. all the time. Yeah. Um. So what did we learn? What what what, is what did we learn? About? Well, our process. What did we is learn the today? Best, but uh, the others <laughs> exist. And, uh, oh my god! Sometimes. No, uh, I, 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 I don't know what we learned. I mean, you know, you know, in college, right? Sometimes they have you do group projects, uh -huh. and sometimes you you wait. No, sorry. In any school, sometimes you do like group projects, and sometimes you do your own. And it's always easy to think it's better if you're just doing your own projects than get into a group project and you have to like talk to other people and negotiate uh, well that's why i didn't go to college i know i just had that thought um i i guess i guess for my part i would say that it made me appreciate and reflect on our process but also appreciate that sometimes it's worth going outside your process or only using part of your process and working with someone else because, you know, for instance, I wasn't able to organize things in the, on the way things worked quite the way I wanted, but I gave a serious, like a full day's effort of, of thinking through exhaustively how best to organize that. And I do feel like in the end what I put up is pretty damn solid. I certainly stand behind it, and I feel like it ended up being a great project. 
So having done this, um, having built a few sites now, yeah. some that you've designed, some that you haven't, yes. with advanced custom fields and WordPress, yeah. um, you're, you're feeling like this is, this is, the, this is the future. No, it's the present. There's going to definitely be something much better in the future. But I, I will just say, like, WordPress is building in something called Gutenberg that's sort of a, a simplistic version of ACF that, mm-hmm. that will let you put in content blocks instead of just typing in a text area. Right. Gutenberg. Yeah. Um, okay. I've been hearing that name a lot. I didn't yeah, know what it was. Yeah. And, and it's definitely not as sophisticated as ACF and is not fully baked. For me, ACF is definitely the present because I'm really happy with the 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 developers really thinks things through really well. The experience that I can give to my client on the back end is a really good one, and the experience for me has gotten much better because, frankly, there's plugins now that just give you the big pile of code. You just paste it into the thing. You don't need to write code anymore. To do mo- to do ninety percent of implementing these things, you can focus on the design, and then you just paste this code block in, and then you kind of just build the design around it. And that, frankly, has made this way more palatable for me because I I'm not a programmer, I'm a designer. I just like to design with code. It's a whole different discussion, but code is not programming. It's just symbols. Anyway, maybe we should stop. <laughs> we should stop there. I got hung up on when you describe something as not being fully baked. Yeah. The thing isn't. I'm fully baked, but the the the, the uh, anyway. Gutenberg is not fully baked. What do you want it to be baked? Yeah, like baked means like finished shipping, fully working, oh. so you can give it to your clients and trust that it's not going to blow up in their face. Okay. Yeah. ACF is fully baked. It, it's solid. It's not going <laughs> to fall apart. And I can trust that I can give it to a client and five years from now, it's still going to be working. <laughs> That's so funny. Anyway. I just feel like sometimes programmers give things... Uh, names or words and it makes me feel like I haven't been out in the world. I don't think fully baked is a programmer term. I always thought that baked means being stoned. No, it's like you bake food. What are you talking <laughs> It means it came out of the oven and it's done. Okay. Like Fully baked means it's done. You can eat it now. Well, you know what? I laughed when they named the iPad the iPad and look, we all got used it's to it too. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's true. I did too, but yeah. here we are, used to it. Carry on. All right. Well, uh, happy holidays to everyone, and uh, we'll see you next week. Say bye, Candace. Bye.